This is the top dog, Jonah. And I'm here to tell you, if you listen to podcasts, you need to listen to the new podcast by Brian Hebner. Reffing it up. Make sure you're listening. This is Impact World Champion Moose. And make sure you're listening to Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. What's going on, everybody? I'm Tom Hannafin. He's the drama king, Matthew Raywall. And I got a question for you. You like podcasts? Yeah, of course. Okay, I got a new one that you got to check out. It's called the Reffing It Up podcast, hosted by our buddy Brian Hefner. That's right. Takes you through all kinds of stories yesterday and today. Stars of all pro wrestling. It's a great, great listen. You got to check it out. Wherever you get your podcast, the Reffing It Up podcast, don't miss it. Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's T. That's double J, Jeff Jarrett. Tune in here to Reffin' It Up with my pals, RJ and Brian Hebner. It's really a great podcast. Tune in every Wednesday morning when it drops. Check them out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. And, man, this episode is a good one. I listen to it every week. Stay tuned, guys. Reffin' It Up with RJ and Brian. WWE to TNA by way of the NWA. It is time for Reffing It Up with current Impact referee Brian Hebner. A great episode is right around the corner, so we hope you are ready for the one, two, three. Welcome to episode four of Reffin' Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice. He is the man with the stripes. He is the man that counts the one, two, three. He is and forever will be Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, man. How you doing tonight? Uh, Can't believe episode four goes by quick. I'm ready to go. Yeah, man. A lot, a lot of good things that we've heard from the last three episodes. Really looking forward to this one. I know this hits uh, home to you and to me as well. A uh, good friend of both of ours, Mr. Jeff Jarrett, uh, is the uh, center point of today's, this week's episode. Uh, but a little peek behind the curtain to last week. Uh, this Kurt Angle episode, man. A lot of, lot of buzz so far, man. A lot of people are listening. That's awesome, man. It's it's uh, it's really good to hear, and I'm I'm just glad people are enjoying. Um, but like you and I both always say, you know, it's okay to give us some constructive criticism if you want to do that, and feedback's always good because it only helps us get better and uh, and gives us a, a, a gauge of where people want us to be or what they want us to do. So that's awesome, and I really do appreciate it. Yeah, you can hit us up uh, on the Twitter gimmick at Reffing It Up or at Baby Hebner. Either one uh, that'll be both of our handles. Uh, so hit us up, let us know what you think. Cause we're definitely looking to uh, make this as good as possible, as popular as possible and in as joy- enjoyable as possible as well, Brian. So, but without further ado, uh, Jeff Jarrett, man, a third generation wrestler from a promoter, from a, from his father, from his grandmother. When was the first time that you met Jeff that you worked with Jeff was it in the TNA days or was it before that when uh you met him through probably your dad if he when he was in uh, WWF yeah no I did I met him through my dad um uh Jeff Jeff was a he was a character when I first met him man um just full of life and uh had that long blonde hair and just uh just just one of those um vibrant kind of guys um he him and my dad were riding together when I first met him and that's how I met him was, you know, in a car, uh, riding together. And, you know, as a kid, it was like, Oh, wow, this is the double J, you know, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, I just remember, uh, a fan being on the outside when we were getting the car for our first initial ride. And I just remember a fan going, Hey, Jeff, I love you, buddy. He was like, I love you. He says, look, my hair is just like yours. And Jeff's getting in the car and he goes, yeah, yeah, you know what? I love you too. The only difference between my hair and your hair is mine's clean and yours is dirty as shit. <laughs> I, was, I just didn't know how to handle myself. I was just like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, so this was uh, this was the initial time I ever met him. Then I remember, you know, as a kid, but 
that was the initial time I really remember like being personable with one-on-one, like in the car kind of thing, being really close. So that was, that was, that was, that was, um, uh, I guess a great initiation to, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Sure. Well, yeah, that would, that would definitely be unique. Uh, so would that have been in uh, the early nineties or the mid nineties when it was first or second run? Cause he went over to been, WCW for a little bit there. Yeah. It would have been mid nineties. Okay. So it would have been that second run. Okay. Yeah. Because he started there in 92 after he wrestled for, uh, for his dad's continental wrestling there <coughs> and uh, in the eighties and the early nineties. And then kind of picked up that country music star gimmick. Right. In the WWF. What did you think of that? Obviously being, like I said, going through with your dad, with him, but how did you look at that? Do you remember anything out of that? You talking about the double J? The uh, country star gimmick or country uh, music star gimmick. I I absolutely loved it, man. I did. (laughs) I I thought it was um, like it it had some stupid to it, but it also had like, like some, some crazy good to it. Like it was just, one of those cross things where I think that probably you would find that a lot of people either couldn't stand or just kind of really liked. Um, and me as a fan sitting at home, not in the business at the time was just like, wow, this is pretty damn cool. So yeah, I, I, I personally, I digged it. I thought it was good. I thought it actually fit Jeff. I don't know how Jeff feels about it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't, you know, hate on it for sure. Cause it probably made him a lot of money, but uh, you know, I thought it was good. It gave him a different, persona and, and and people that didn't know Jeff, this was the way they did it. So he came in as a heel at that point, I guess, with that gimmick. Um, so surely that got some heat. So I just thought that that was, in my opinion, I thought it was pretty brilliant and fit him so well. Did you have any run-ins with his dad, Jerry, or was it just pretty much much with uh, Jeff? No, I, I met him, but I, I don't remember enough to really talk about him, you know what I mean, right. to, on, a, on a basis like that. But um but no, I I didn't have anything major to really contribute to his dad. Sure, sure, yeah, not not a problem. Uh, did you see any of his earlier stuff in uh, smoke like Smoky Mountain or with um, Continental? Any of his early like before he got to the WWF early, or do you not uh, kind of recollect that? No, I I, I did actually. I, I was a kid that if I was if if if, if I liked you. <laughs> And, and like kind of dig what you were doing. Like I would just do some research, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have the easy access of research we have nowadays, but, um, but no, I would go back and look and go through magazines. I used to collect the uh, pro wrestling illustrated magazines and stuff like that. And um, I would, you know, the rankings and all that stuff. And, and I would go back and I would do, you know, read articles and things of that nature and go back and watch videos. I used to remember watching, you know, things on TV and cable and all that. I would just search through and find anything wrestling, you know what I mean? And just go through. So, no, I saw some of his stuff. I did. And I've, and I've also done that as I've gotten older and gotten to the business. I've done that. So, no, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of his old stuff, which I, you know, I really love. I mean, it's, it's just good stuff. Now, when, like I mentioned, third generation wrestler and promoter, did you kind of relate to him a little bit more just because with, between your dad and your uncle being in the business, did you kind of relate to him a little bit more? Did you have kind of like a strike up a friendship that way? Or was it kind of one of the things as you worked with him more, that's how, how you guys became friendly. Well, I mean, I, I think Jeff always respected um, my abilities in the ring. I, I really do. Um, and I think that he also respected me because I was Earl's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think that I earned his respect and, you know, he's one of those only guys that I've worked with that was that I worked with as a, as a worker that I worked with as a friend. And then I worked under as him being my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the few guys that I could actually, I mean, actually, I don't even know if there's anyone else I can say that for, um, I, you know, obviously I've done a Vince McMahon match with him in it, but I mean, it wasn't like a, doing a Jeff Jarrett match. This was just a do it, bang it. And that's it kind of thing. Um, where Jeff, you know, you know, I, I worked with him as being my boss, my friend and a coworker. So kind of, kind of different, kind of weird. Yeah. So you probably did a lot more of, uh, work with him when in, uh, in TNA then, then, right. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. So like 2002 rolls around, oh, excuse me, before that, let's precursor to that 2001 WWF ends up buying WCW. We won't get into that. We know all the history and the backstory to that. Uh, 2002 comes around, um, Jeff and his dad, uh, together found 
or founded the NWA TNA, uh, better known now as obviously Impact. Uh, so were you surprised? Obviously, you were not with you were not with Impact and TNA at that time, but looking at it from the outside, were you surprised that they started this, uh, this promotion? Dude, I actually thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. So, you know, that was one of my off days when they did those Wednesday pay-per-views. Um, so I was at, you know, with, with WWE at the time and I had the dish network and I had this gimmick card that you could just put in and you could get all the pay-per-views and shit all free. You know, you could do whatever you wanted to do. It was the most amazing thing that I've ever had in my life. It was just awesome. And I would literally go home and come off the road and watch more wrestling after I was burnt out. But anyway, I would just come home and I would watch their shows on Wednesday nights um, and just absolutely loved what they were doing. Um, never even thinking I would ever work there. You know what I mean? Never. Just, 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 just enjoying wrestling, being a fan, um, getting outside of my world, which is what we were doing. And I just think that at that time, I was like, they got something going on here. And there were guys that I've never heard of that were on there. And they're, you know, just, I loved and just, it was just really, really good and really cool. And it was something I really did pay attention to. So that was pretty odd for me. And it was also, you know, like I said, it was always on my off day. I was always off on Wednesdays unless I was overseas or something like that. Otherwise it fell right to my schedule where I could watch literally every week. Didn't cost me a dollar. It was just like watching it. Just like, you know, like I watch TV now. Um, so I would just slip my little card in there and watch some TNA impact. It was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Cause at that time then they, they started hot there and they really adapted with the um, 10 pounds of gold there, the TNA uh, and excuse me, the NWA title. Uh, were you happy to see that? Cause obviously you, you have a historic or history with that, obviously with your dad being the NWA before he went over to the, the WWF. Were you happy to see that kind of that lineage of that title move on to another company? Well, I mean, I think the company has so much prestige and was really just such a big, big thing, you know, throughout many of the years of pro wrestling, when pro wrestling was at its peak, you know what I mean? As far as, you know, obviously we didn't have the cable and the outreaches that we did then, but I mean, NWA was a big freaking deal back in the day. And that NWA world title meant a whole lot to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it moving on and not just being sitting on a shelf somewhere and being talked about and going into, you know, with the TNA back in, when they opened that up, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, who wouldn't want to win the TNA NWA world championship? I mean, it was, so yeah, I, I, I was very excited that it got brought back and had some, um, I don't know the word I want to use, but it had some relevance, I guess would be the word. Sure. So in regards of Jeff between whether he's wearing the promoter hat, whether he's wearing the worker hat or anywhere in between there. How would you rank him as one of the best wrestling minds of all time? I would just tell you this, and I'll say this as a matter of fact. Um, Jeff is a very, very, very intelligent man when it comes to this sport, um, this entertainment business. Um, he, he is a very, very sharp, intelligent mind. And I began to realize that when he came back um, after a hiatus uh, when I was there at uh, M, uh, TNA and just seeing the things that he was able to do and, and start to see the, the, him in the creative room, um, really, I knew it already, but but like firsthand experience in a creative meeting with him was was really, really eye-opening was just like man shit like this guy really really knows how he wants to shoot stuff he knows how he wants to lay it out he knows the story afterwards he knows the facial expression he wants like just covered everything um and then you look at what the guy's done i mean you know so um he he's up there he's got to be i mean who else has done what he's done as far as opening a promotion and just going with it you know what i mean like uh, you know, I, I, sometimes there's a point where I wish things could have went differently for him. And I'm, I don't know if that if that's the way he feels or whatever, uh, but he was a great leader and, you know, was doing really good things. And uh, I just would say a great man in this business. If he's a, a person you're able to talk to and you need to figure out what's going on with yourself and he's able to talk to you, you better listen because he does know what's going on. 
Yeah, it's once a promoter, always a promoter. Once a worker, always a worker. Do you even see down down the line? You know, I, you listen to his podcast, My World with Conrad, on uh, whatever platform that you listen to this podcast. You can listen to his as well. But um, they always joke around about, oh, they're going to start another promotion. They're going to start another promotion. I, I don't really. I don't know. I, I don't think it's that out of the realm of possibility with him. I don't either. I really don't either. Um, I, it's so funny. Um, a lot of people asked me before this Tony Khan thing happened when he bought the Ring of Honor. Um, a lot of people were buzzing me, man. I'm serious. Like, um, because they know I'm friends with Jeff, but I mean, Jeff's not going to come, come to my world and say, oh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not going to um, text me one day and be like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, Ring of Honor. I mean, but people were asking me, they were like, do you know anything? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm not putting that out to pasture. No, I, I'm not. Um, could this be something that will happen? I, I would not put it past Jeff Jarrett. I wouldn't. Um, I would not put it past him at all. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the guy knows what he's doing, knows how to do a run, run a promotion. And he's only gotten more experience. By Here's the thing. You only learn things by falling on your face. It's up to the person that can get back up, wipe themselves off, move on and learn from the mistakes and not make them again. Jeff's gotten that and done that. So will he ever do it? I don't know that. But I'm saying if somebody said, oh, well, guess what I heard? Jeff's opened a new promotion that's called My World. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would believe it. I'd be like, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it just just seeing all the stuff that he's done over the, you can even say over the last three, four months between NWA being the referee with with Nick Aldis and Matt Cardona, his stuff with GCW, you know, his stuff with the live shows with that he did with with um with the My World thing with the super show with him and Eric. He's out there as much as he's pretty much since he's ever been, pretty much since he was in since he was working. Well, let's not forget, he's a, he was also a four horseman, according to him. Now, where do you stand on that? Do you think he is a four horseman? Yeah, he was a four horseman. It just wasn't. <laughs> he was. He's right. I hate to admit it. But, yeah, he, he, he was a four horseman. I mean, come on. Um, it just wasn't one of those ones that was just the longevity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he wasn't a long four horseman, but he was literally technically in the four horseman. Cause I've actually literally gone after when they, when they started that whole work shoot, whatever the hell you want to call it on the show, I would literally go to Wikipedia every single day and actually change it and put his name in the list there of the four horsemen on Wikipedia, just so I can say, Hey, he's a four horseman. Wikipedia says it. So it's gotta be true. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so where, what's your take on it? yours? Your person's take. I, I grew up watching them there in WCW too. That was really, honestly, that was the first time I, well, I shouldn't say the first time I saw him and Razor for the IC title, that feud that he had, which we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, I saw his stuff work, work with there with him and, and Mongo and just a lot of stuff he did there in WCW. But I, they wouldn't have put him associate him with the four horsemen if he wasn't a uh, official horseman. So I think he, my, my, my opinion is he's a four horseman. I mean, if, all right. So I'll say this. So if they, if they said, let's induct the four horsemen into the hall of fame and all of its members, I don't think he'd be in it. No, no, they actually WWE, they are in the hall of fame and he was not part of it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know why he's not. I mean, he wasn't a big integral part of the Four Horsemen. It was like correct, a, correct, a quick, a quick storyline per se. Sure, yeah. But I well, mean, they they all acknowledged it. So, so how do you say no? Like it wasn't. It wasn't. So it's like to. I'll make an analogy and see if if see if you agree with it. It may be a terrible analogy, but I'll I'll, okay. I'll give you an analogy. So, you know, Le Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. You had, yeah. And then you had um, Crush. Yeah. So Crush, is would he technically be LOD then, Legion of Doom then? Because he wasn't an official member. He wore the face paint. He wrestled with them. But so did Jeff Jarrett with the rest of the Four Horsemen. Well, no. No. Or is that... Or am uh, I just terrible analogy? 
Well, no, well, I, I'm trying to sit back in here. Thank you. So Crush was part of the LOD? Legion of, or not Legion of Doom, excuse me, Demolition. I'm sorry. Okay. Demolition. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I got the wrong, I got the wrong team of face paint. <laughs> they all look alike. No, I'm kidding. So they all look alike at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so in that uh, aspect then, Crush is part of Demolition. Yes. Axe and Smash. Would yes. he then be an official Demolition member? Like Jeff would be an official Four Horsemen then? I would say the other way more so than the one you're saying, or we're both talking about for Jeff. Right. Because, because he, he, he had some, he had more longevity in that, in that group. Yeah. Right. I, you like I, mean? said, I, I still think he is so regardless. You can probably, any, yeah, anybody yeah. can twist it any way they want to, but, and, and, and well, it's, I'm, and it's good for a show. Well, I'm just going to piss Jeff off now. So I'm going to go the other way now. And I've, I've, now that I've thought about things, I don't think he was a member of the fours. Okay. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll still stick with my, I'll stick, still stick with my gun and say that you're a four horseman. So, uh, so we brought, I brought up Razor there with his run there with him for the IC title there. Um, do you think that uh, it, encompassing his whole career, WWE, WCW, TNA, do you think Razor was his like legitimate best rivalry? I think that in 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 WWE it was his most cared about rivalry. Yeah, uh, meaning that people cared the most about. Um, right. You know, obviously everybody's going to bring up China, um, mm-hmm. but that to me that was a short program. But a, you know, it had some length. But I'm saying, but like that Razor Jeff Jarrett program was something that went on, and I think people were really invested. And in, I'd have to say his. That that that's got to be. I mean, really, it's got to be. Mm. Do you yeah, not? As- no, no, no. I I agree with you. And you can even like we're going to be going over in a little bit here his match with Kurt Angle at Lockdown 2011 in TNA, and you can even think about his run there with Kurt against Kurt there in TNA. That could have been one of his better rivalries too. You know, well, because they went so they had so many matches together well, there in 2011. Yeah, I mean, well, we were we were talking about WWE too, so I mean, right. that, that's oh, right. Think about that, but but yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I just think that the nostalgia that Razor Ramon brought, and in my opinion, people can say whatever they want to say. Like, Jeff Jarrett was over as a heel, like, like just over. Um, and I mean, you had guys like me that were young that just freaking loved him, thought he was awesome, loved the gimmick. You know what I mean? So if you have people investing to hate you and people that love you, I mean, you're, you're doing something right. And uh, I think that Razor helped elevate him as a person too, you know, and he also did the same for Razor. So it just became just a, an elevation program for both people. And it was awesome. It worked. And I think, yes, I would definitely think that that would probably be his, his best rivalry in WWE. Yeah. You know, lastly, before we get to our second count, um, I just want to get your opinion on, you know, a lot, he gets a lot of criticism for everything that happened, went down with TNA there towards the end of his run there. Do you think a lot of that criticism's just, or do you think it's just kind of just, you know, fans being fans, people being people and just trying to blame somebody? You know, I, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I, I was privy to stuff there um, because of, you know, where I was at at that point in time, but I, I I don't know exactly what truly happened, didn't happen or whatever that may be. Um, you know, but ultimately in my opinion, I think we all, no matter what, have to go back to the mismanagement run by Dixie Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and people want to put blame other places and people want to put blame, whatever it may be. Um, I think Dixie and her true, uh, heart that she has did the best that she could do um, without much of a wrestling background, without much of a wrestling mind. Um, you know, I just think that it all crumbled down on her because she was, you know, a mark, you know, and that's what, I mean, that's basically what it is. She was a mark and just, um, just, I, I guess just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I'm not the guy to ask, unless you just want an opinion, which 
opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Right. Um, is Jeff the is Jeff the the, the downfall of TNA? I, no, I don't think that. I don't. Absolutely not. So at the end of the day, between WCW, WWF, and TNA, he's held major titles in each of those promotions: heavyweight titles, mid card, not mid card, but IC title, obviously. At the end of the day, do you think that his he's going to be best known for his work with with his that run there in TNA, being part of the rot main roster, part of the management, or do you think he's basically going to get known as that the guy from WWF? No, I definitely think that his stuff that he's done in TNA um, is actually going to be what I would think, what most people remember, um, or most people would, you know, put together and say, I mean, you know what, it's such a, it's such a tr- tricky question because you're talking about apples and oranges because WWE was at a, such a higher platform. Mm-hmm. So, of course, more people are watching. So if you ask every wrestling fan, um, in my opinion, that said, what do you remember Jeff Jarrett as? What do you remember Jeff Jarrett? What do you remember Jeff Jarrett? Well, your population is going to be higher for WWE, so they're going to say more towards the WWE-ish answer. You know what I mean? Um, but me personally, and and maybe people that are just fans of Jeff would say what he did in TNA. Mm-hmm. Established a company, uh, ran a company, had some of his greatest matches that I can remember. Um, I'm not saying the greatest of all time, but some of his greatest matches he had. And how do you not, how is that not part of his legacy? How is that not part? I mean, I, I, if I was him, I'd be very, very proud of what he did in TNA. Oh, exactly. You know, and, and, and I was a big fan of that too, with TNA there in their early incarnations, even, even towards like here, like the match we're about to see, uh, or excuse me, about to go over here in 2011, 2010. That was really, when it was hot, man, when they were really going strong. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so with that being said, let's go over to our second count officially. We're going to be talking about his match with Kurt Angle from lockdown 2011, the ultra male rules, two out of three falls steel cage match. So what I'm going to do, Brian, too, is I'm also going to put in, I have a YouTube video of this match. I'm going to put this in the, in the show notes here. So everybody that's listened to here, go over to the show notes, check it out copy paste it it's right in youtube or you can simply search kurt angle jeff jarrett lockdown 2011 into youtube and watch it as well one of one of the better matches i've ever seen of these two guys and i think it's because there's so much backstory and lead up to this match between you know it's a story that everybody knows jeff being married to karen now and they're playing that, playing uh, playing a storyline on real life. Yes. Um, aside from backstory, they gave these two wrestling vets uh, time, and these two guys gave us a WrestleMania moment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, these guys. We're able to have time to sell, to work, to to do whatever the hell they wanted to do to tell a story and to make everyone, including me, who was in the ring, believe this backstory. And that's what they made this match. Um, I went back, like you said, and, and, and watched it and. I could not believe, just truly could not believe how amazing this match truly was. Um, I, I had forgotten how great it was. And I went back and I watched, and just just the finish, the ultimate finish was just so freaking incredible. Um, I loved it. And if you didn't watch it or, 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 or you watched it, go back and do it again because mm-hmm. it would not let you down. It was It was the most... I would say, going back and watching, it might be the most incredible match I was ever part of as far as the whole picture, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. with the storyline, with the story plot, with backstory, with the actual match itself. It was just so freaking amazing. And um, those boys ought to be proud. 
Yeah. So a little context to it. Uh, best to um, best out of three falls. First fall is submissions only. Second fall is pinfalls only. And then fall three is escape from the cage. Where do you fall on pun intended a cage match where you can actually win by escaping the cage? Are you the old school mentality like me saying, Hey, there's a cage for a freaking reason. Why are you going to be able to escape it? You want, you're going to want to have to keep people in it. Where do you fall on that? Well, I, I, I got the concept yeah. because the concept was that's what Jeff wanted to do was escape the cage. He wanted to get out of there. Sure. He wanted no parts of it. So that was a stipulation thrown in for Jeff. You know what I mean? Where Kurt mm-hmm. would like to beat his ass the entire time and not even worry about escaping. Do you see what I'm saying? So sure. So it kind of worked for that. But overall, I am totally with you. I even brought this up um, in a meeting and another podcast of the day where I actually changed the whole creative idea behind lockdown. Um, and it went over uh, really big with what you're saying. Uh, escaping the cage is not the reason to have a cage. If you're going to escape a ring, well, I want you to say, why don't you just throw me over the top fucking rope? Right. Just the same thing. Sure. Uh, if you want to get rid of me, then just throw me out. If, if, if I want to get rid of you and don't want to touch you, then go over the, the cage. So what's the point? The point is to keep both men inside and let's have a finish. No one leaves. No one interferes. We're, that's, the, that's our finish. This match was totally different. So we had three stipulations. Okay, so the three stipulations, with that one being one of them, made a lot of sense in this case because it was the heel, chicken shit, piece of shit is what everybody was, was, was supposed to believe, and that's the story we wanted everybody to buy into, wants to leave the cage. And as you watch that finish, you can see that's the way that finish went. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it worked for this. But overall, I'm not a fan of getting out of the cage. Hmm. So were you a fan of the three falls in a cage, or did you just want a straight-up cage match? Or did you care? I, I honestly, it, it, it worked. It just worked hmm. because it just gave everybody more of a reason to say, well, he'll beat him on this and he'll beat him on that and he'll beat him on that. So it gave you three different reasons to think why Jeff could go over or why Kirk could go over. Um, so I, I didn't have a problem with it. It's, it you know, honestly, if, if, if you have a really heated battle, it's not the way me personally, I would book it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure both of them had say so. And I'm sure if both of them didn't like it, it wouldn't have happened. That's for sure. 100%. So one guy that actually did like it, believe it or not, Dave Meltzer gave this match four stars in the, in the observer. So it goes to show you, man, you get two of the better workers of all time, two of the best wrestling minds. You know, we talked about Kurt last week and go back in the archives and check that out. If you want to get a little bit more uh, in depth on that, but uh, two of the better workers of all time, man. And it was such, such a great match. Uh, and earlier on too, you get that, you know, that extra character on the outside being Karen and man, if you guys do not, um, know how great of a character Karen was Karen Jarrett at that, at this time was go back and watch this. Like I said, the, the links in the show notes, check it out, man. What a great character she was. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing from the beginning, from entrances, which gave you the goosebumps, the video package. I'm telling you right now, this was a match that was just built so well. This is when booking in 101 is, is the way to go. And, and how could it not be with Jeff Jarrett in it? You know, uh, with his own with his own match. You know, I mean, Kurt Angle, who has a vision as well. I mean, how could it not be simply put together and pieced together and just a just masterpiece? And this is what ultimately this was. I mean, it was. It was a masterpiece. It was. And I really forgot until I went back to do, you know, started doing this podcast and, and went back and watched it. Because I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, we move fast. Um 
I would love to hear Jeff talk about this on his own podcast, my world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be awesome to hear what he has to say. I mean, our, you know, our, our, our day uh, was, you know, a pretty big day on that day as well. Uh, a lot of, we, we worked hard that day. Uh, a lot of planning, a lot of getting together and figuring things out. They, they also gave me a lot of input, which is so great. I mean, Jeff's always been good at that. And so is Kurt. So, I mean, that was, that was, was awesome. I mean, I could literally just say what I wanted to say. If both of them didn't like it, it wasn't like it was like, you know what, dude, go, 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 go get you some catering. You know, it was, hey, we appreciate that idea, but we were kind of doing this because of that. Oh, OK, I get it. So I was able to give my opinions and throw in some things that would help. And you know what? There was a lot of things that they took. There were things that they didn't take. Um, there were things that they threw at me that I didn't want to like or I didn't see, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. It was just really great. You were talking about three guys working together. This had everything to be what it was and, and my just my opinion not because i was in it i'm just being honest take me out of it i'm talking about them two and the match itself wow it was just really really something to behold please go back and watch it please so you said you talked to kurt and jeff prior to going out and to this match uh was this obviously the build was like none other so they had to be talking about what they were planning on doing before this day, obviously. Right. Yes, very much so. So were they just kind of fine, fine tuning everything the day of kind of thing once they got to the venue? Yeah. So unlike a lot of people, um, this, this thing was pretty much me, me and Kurt were really, really close um, at, at match stuff. Um, I believe he even texted me and told me match notes and things like that, just to, just to get my head going, uh, to, to where I could think about where they wanted to be and where they wanted to go, which was awesome. Cause it does help a lot. Um, I think that, you know, the, the main thing they wanted to do was the, was what we call the meat and the potatoes. You know, they wanted to get the start. They wanted to get the middle. They wanted to get the finish. And I think all that was there. And it was about putting everything together you know, together, you know, and, and that's basically the way that worked. And that's not normal. Uh, and a lot of times it's, it's just not, it's, you know, people wait last minute. Uh, you put all your stuff together and, and sometimes it could be great. And sometimes it just sucks because <clears throat> it could have been so much better, but you didn't spend the time to fucking, you know, like, think about that stuff. And they were just true professionals and true professionals mean they want their stuff to be right. And that's what these guys did. And I, I just truly believe that's why this thing was as amazing as it was. So leading up to it, did you know how good this actually was going to be? Did you, what was your anticipation going into this? Did you basically figure, Hey, they're going to be the absolute dog shit out of each other kind of thing. Or are you saying, okay, this could be legitimately one of the best matches of the year. Um, knowing, knowing what I knew, um, I knew it could be both ways. I knew it could be, all right, we're going to both bring it. And then we're going to both have a great, great, great wrestling match. So I, I, I just, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how, how it would totally come off overall, but I knew that Jeff, he wasn't going to have anything less than the best. And I knew that Kurt wasn't either. So when you have that, those two people thinking the same thing, it's, it, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, just gotta be. So, like I said, we talked about Kurt last week. You're pretty much one of Kurt's guys when you're, when they were, when he was in the WWE with you, did you end up turning into be one of Jeff's go-to guys as far as being a referee for his matches too? Or was it kind of like, Hey, it's kind of, kind of chew pick and choose kind of thing. Um, Jeff, I, 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 yes, we did. We, um, we, I think I became his guy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing that he went around and told people. I don't think, I think it was just kind of appointed. Um, and me and Jeff used to run a spot around the country, all over the country. Um, I have a torn ACL and it was because of our spot. It wasn't because of Jeff. It was because of me. It was, uh, but, uh, just to give a, a little background, so just 
bear with me here. Uh, it's, 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 it's much better to see than, than talk about, but, uh, so we would have a match and it would be every night, every house show that we go around the country and Jeff would get in the ring, do his entrance. And I would always stand in his, in his exact corner that he wanted to get up on no matter where I was, that was the corner he wanted to go to. And he would just shove me across the ring and I would almost take a bump and I would just get in the corner and just act like whatever. The fans would immediately be like, Oh, you piece of shit. Why are you shoving Brian Hebner? What the fuck? And he'd make his way around. I would pay no attention. I'm looking at the fans da, 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 and I'd be in the opposite corner. Well, he wants to go to that corner. So he'd tell me, he would just look at me and he'd give me the famous Jeff Jarrett, get out of my way, get out of my way. So I would move out of his way. So immediately starting the match, me and him had this friction and heat, which I'm no selling. I'm just acting like he's just such a jerk. And he's just like, you know, you're, you're, you're a clown. Get out of here. Yada, yada, yada. So <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll use, uh, it doesn't matter. We did it with many people, but I'll, I'll use uh, Scott Steiner as an example. So Scotty would come out, get a big pop, do his whole thing. We'd open a matchup. We'd just start, and it would start right away with a spot with us. Uh, one little thing here, one little thing there. Boom, they lock up, they get to the corner. Jeff doesn't want to break. I start to do a count. He goes to throw a punch. I'd stop his punch, and I'd push him back. All of a sudden, he takes a head over tea kettle bump, gets back up, and shoves me. All right, so I'm sitting there, and I'm selling it. I'm selling him like, why would you shove me? Why would you shove me? Then he smacks me across my face. I sell it. I go down. I actually don't go down. I just sell it. I get back up and I'm just like being a baby. Oh my God. I can't believe you did this to me. Why are you doing this to me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. All of a sudden another whack across the face. Gives me another one. Now I'm starting to sell to one knee. So I'm at the rope now. I'm pleading. And now the crowd is all behind us. I mean, just all behind us now. They're like such... Fuck you, Jeff. Kind of thing. Scott selling it. What are you doing to this guy? I get back up. It's one more time. He gets up. He looks at me and gives me one more blast. Smack across my face. I sell it. I land on the on my knee, hold my face, selling, selling, selling. He turns his back to me, starts selling to the crowd, getting all kinds of heat. While he's getting all this heat, I take my referee shirt off, pull it off, throw it to the ground. And of course, you can immediately imagine the uh, the pop from the crowd because they saw me getting mad, and all of a sudden, here comes that ref shirt. I walk over to him, I tap him on his shoulder. He turns around, and I say, "Come on, motherfucker, let's go." So now everybody starts popping. I'm talking about I've heard some of the loudest pops I've ever heard from this. So I would do now. I didn't want to look cool, okay? Now. At that time, I had a body that actually looked pretty decent, so I didn't mind doing the spot. If you ask me to do it right now, no, not doing it. But uh, <laughs> so I would do the old famous where you hit your foot on the ring and clap at the same time to get the crowd going, mm -hmm. and they would just start going. I mean, it was go, 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 go. And we would immediately lock up. He'd shoot me to the corner. He'd go to hit me. I would duck. I'd boot him. I'd shoot him across, I'd leapfrog him, I'd drop down and give him this big hip toss. Boom. Give him that hip toss. He'd come at me. I'd do the, I, oh, I'm sorry. I messed the spot. This was one of the bigger spots. After I hip tossed him, I would do this Brian Hebner dance that ended up with doing the, uh, a spin 360 into a split. He'd get up, he'd come at me. I'd duck Scotty Steiner, who has my shirt because I threw it to him. He has my shirt. He throws, he gives him his finish, boom, one, two, three, and we're out. It was the most amazing thing, the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. And it, it, it was awesome. And it would just be where Jeff would just come by me each and every night on the house show. He'd go, you ready to do it, boy? I'd say, yes, sir. He'd go, let's go kill it. And that would be it. And that was our deal. And we did it. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. It, it, it worked so good. And it was, we were placed in the show where it worked so good. It was probably a, 10-minute match total. Um, it saved bumps for the boys. It saved the guy who was working with who didn't mind the whole of this crap happening. It was just good, man. It was good stuff. I really enjoyed doing that with Jeff. Um, what a spot. If you can find it on YouTube or whatever it is, I, I used to have it myself. I should have published it when I had it, when I yeah. had it on my, uh, what do you call it, a thumb drive or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, 
once again, I'm very computer savvy here. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, good, good, good stuff. Yeah. So we'll get back to the match here, but you're going to, but before the match even starts, you're, you're saying you're going to DQ Jarrett right now. If Karen doesn't go back or leave ringside. Right. So this is one of the things I looked at the, it's the little things I caught in this, Brian, that I'm like, okay, I have to ask you about this because maybe, maybe it was just kind of a slip up, but if it's a DQ, he's in a cage. Shouldn't there be no DQs in a cage match? Well, there should be. So that first fall was what? Submission. Second fall was pinfall, pin, right? Pinfall. And then third was the escape. Okay. So if you lose by, so was it, was it right at the top? Yeah, it was right at the top. It was before, it was right when Karen and Jeff came down and Jeff got into the ring with Kurt or before Kurt came out, excuse me. And Karen was actually outside. Okay. Okay. So, so the DQ would have been his second fall would have been a DQ, which means he loses. Okay. 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 Like I said, that's, that's just something I saw. I'm like, okay, if, He's not even not. I don't. But I don't even think the bell rang yet, though. That was the thing. Well, maybe, maybe hindsight twenty twenty is we should have put the pinfall first. Sure. Which okay. Immediately go down 0-1. Had she sure. not left. Sure. Okay. So yeah, to that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, hey, good point, man. I, I'm like that too. I, I really am. And so was so was the guys I was working with. It yeah. just might have been a, something that we may have overlooked. But but still, it could have still taken a pinfall, or, or I'm sorry. Well. A, a number meaning the number of uh, one to you know or three or two away from him mm-hmm. meaning that second fall would have he would have gave up so if sure. kurt went over on the first fall and he and she didn't leave then the second fall would have been a dq he'd have went up 2-0 that's it sure no yeah no no i get that i like i said it's the other thing that i saw too and maybe, maybe it's just because i'm not you know, I, I'm not, I haven't worked in the business. I probably never will. I don't know. Never say never, I guess. But well, McAfee. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> kind of high high on that one. But uh, you're, count, you're counting the shoulders in the first fall here when it was submissions only. Was that – why were you counting the shoulders if it was a submission only? Was it because, just I was fu- because I was fucking nervous and forgot. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's what I thought. I- Cause you didn't see me do it after that. Correct. Correct. Okay. I was and nervous. Then, and forgot. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I thought. I'm like, okay, I just gotta, cause you know, everybody yeah. forgets, everybody fucks up. I get it. But I'm like, maybe it's that, or maybe it was, maybe there was some like storyline behind it while you did it. And I'm like, I gotta ask him cause it's going to bug the shit out of me. If I don't ask him. <laughs> I, I saw that too. I was just hoping you'd in your homework and see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you, when you no, watch it about, when you watch it about two or three times, it's like, oh shit, he's counting the. Oh, okay, I gotta write that down so I remember no, that. No, it's it's all good, man. I mean, I I would never be the first person to tell you that I've never fucked up. Yeah. All I'm saying, is, I've I've been in a no DQ and started counting them in the corner. And I'm like, as soon as I do that, once they get out of there, I'm like, why am I counting? Yeah, it's habit. It's just habit. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and when you add stipulations, that changes your job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, and I'm not making excuses. At least I remembered after I did it, because I don't even think they got on me. But then again, you have to ask yourself as a worker, why are you covered? Sure. Right. You know what I mean? So that might've thrown me off as well, but I'm not making excuses for, I'm not, I'm just saying, I forgot. I should have just said no. And that would have been a great, great story to tell. If I could remember and said, no, 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 no. This is by tap out only. Yada, yada, yada. Right. Which is you know, where, when I watch things back, it pisses me off that I've done things, you know? No, was, <sighs> At this time, was Jeff in the office at this time, or was he just strictly a talent? I don't remember. I thought I was asking myself that, too. I think he was still in the office, but not as the higher up. Like, in other okay. words, I don't is as big in the office as he used to be. So the only reason why I ask that is, is because who's in your ear, producer-wise, if Jeff's in the ring? If he, if he was that producer at that time. Man, that's a good question. Who was my producer? And um, who that would have been? Because I don't know. Because Tanae was on commentary. Because I wouldn't have been. Tanae wouldn't have been. Man, that's a great question. Who was my producer? I'm trying to think. 2011. 2011. Okay, so um, 
would, would was Sanjay a producer at this time? No, no, nope. Um, I'm gonna say I'm guessing. Man, do you want me to guess or not? You can guess if you want, because I, because I'm curious myself. Because I'm just trying to think, like, like time wise, on who it possibly could be. Because I know it wouldn't have been obviously it wasn't an Eric, right? No, I really think it was Abyss. That's that's what I was gonna go through. Because I'm like, it has to be Abyss because that's would be the only uh, was was Mitchell ever a producer? No, no, I I really think it was Abyss. Yeah, I really, really do. Um, I just can't remember. That's crazy. Um, I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. Maybe who well, can say no? Wasn't me, idiot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I, it's very viable, viable guy to do that. But uh, so Jared ends up taking the first fall, or taps take the first fall. So Kurt's up one zero. Um, so the next fall is um, pinfall. And, you know, just a generic match, just fuck, just Jeff gets busted in it. And did you think that this match needed one or and or both of them to get juice to make it that much better? I didn't think Kurt needed color. Okay. Nah. Uh Jeff's Jeff's the heel. Yeah. Uh, that That's that's what makes people happy. They're like, yeah, th- this. This fucker's bleeding. Yeah, kill him. Kill him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the way they did it was great. I, 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 I can't think of any other thing better to say. Sure, no, no, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two, two other things I want to talk with Kurt here is, one, he took a, a nasty, nasty bump off the top there during this. Yeah, he, during- he was, yeah, he was, um, he was actually, um, he's done it before, obviously. Sure. Um, he was really nervous about it all day. Um, he was really trying to mark the spot for him to, you know, be safe, uh, not too close because he didn't want to, you know, hit the turnbuckles on the way down. Uh, the way that the TNA cage was set up is it, it comes a little off a little further than WWE's because there's usually it's really, really tight. So it's just because it's it's there's a post that the cage mounts on. Yeah. Uh, so it was, a, you know, a, a little bit further to jump than say WWE, if anybody can relate to what I'm saying. And, but anyway, still, it doesn't matter. But to do a backflip off of uh, something that high, uh, 10 to 12 feet down, five feet of ring, um, is, that's a long ways down. You were talking about his, uh, with the, I believe the spot that he had to hit in the ring when he was doing the moonsault off the top, right? Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, what it was was uh, because the cage is built a little differently than it is WWE. It's got more of an angle where there's uh, it's further out. So basically, where he wanted to do was was measure where his body was going to land, and that was where we were struggling because obviously you're not going to do that twice in a day. Uh, so so what he did was he just tried to measure the body, and um, that was something that he was really nervous about all day. And if you watch that match, uh, he kind of overshot him just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, still a hell of a bump. It's still something that, you know, people should want to watch and see. But, um, yeah, he overshot him a little bit. Both guys had to sell a little bit more than what probably was there. But uh, it was something that he, you know, was actually nervous about throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, so, also, I want to get your thoughts. You know, you you take a pretty good bump here during this match, too. Uh Taking a punch from Kurt Angle, man. How did you ever thought that that would uh, it would come to that between the two of you? <laughs> well, no, um, but I love it. Feels good. Yeah. No, but it was good. No, actually, but um, but if that was actually a clothesline, he gave me a clothesline. Was there a clothesline? Okay, I put yeah, 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 for whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. uh, remember, he was sprayed with the stuff that Karen gave him. Oh, that's right. Okay, I didn't. I couldn't yeah, remember yeah. if it was a clothesline or a punch. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, guy. So, that like, that's um, okay. No, I've been punched five too, but it all works. But no, uh, so so basically when when him when I went to grab him, he thought I was Jeff, and so he went to you know to uh, clothesline me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he clothesline me, took my head uh, head off, and that's what led to the finish. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, Jeff goes over, like I said, four star match from Meltzer. Uh, 
hell of a match. This was in April. They had the match in against all odds in the 11 Genesis 11 uh, slam anniversary sacrifice, dude. They had so many good matches in 2011. Was this the feud of 2011? It was yes. Because of the back in general. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had a wife and his wife leaves him for another guy who's still in the business in the actual same company. And they come together um, and it's historic. I mean, it, it, I mean, it really is. I mean, this was a uh, Karen angle for such a long time and then becomes Karen Jarrett, which is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty intriguing for a lot of people that are, you know, following what the story goes and where it goes. So, yeah, I would, I, w- I would say that 2011 was the peak of the story. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so, at all, do you agree with the four star rating from Meltzer, or do you think it, you know, was one of the better matches of their of their group of matches? Do you think this was their best one? I think if Meltzer said four stars, you probably should give it five. Well, of course. <laughs> and, but no, 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 uh, no. I, I mean, I, I thought he cheated him some. Honestly, I mean, I should be four and a half. I'm not saying it should be five. It should be four and a half. Yeah. Four fair, especially for Meltzer. So, I, I, you know, I think everybody will take it. Yeah. So, uh, let's go up to the ring right now to uh, our buddy Rich Paladino and get some listener questions in here. It's listener questions. All right, Brian. So, we got a few listener questions here, a couple new ones, a couple from returning ones. Let's start with our buddy 48 Guitars there on Twitter. He asked if there was any uh, here, any more stories of your in-ring re- interactions with wrestlers during matches like this. Say, say the question again. He said he'd love to hear more stories of your in-ring interactions with wrestlers during matches, if at all possible, during like in this type of match. If did you have uh, well, any other interactions with any other wrestlers in like cage matches or whatnot? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, there, there's always communication going on because there's always, you know, time restraints. There's always things where somebody may have gotten hurt and says, hey, give me a minute or two. Uh, there's always moments where the guy says, um, you know, hey, I want to change something. Tell him to shoot me to the corner and duck and I'll pick it up from there. Or maybe tell him to shoot duck and I'll grab a hold. I mean, it, it, yeah. So there's there's always communication going on especially in that particular type of match where, you know, there's, there's, there's so much, you know, at stake and so much on the line where -hmm. it's a major pay-per-view draw. So yeah, there's a lot of things that a referee would have to do to basically communicate between the two guys without them communicating together. Sure. Yeah. And then that kind of branches off what Brian Haremza wants to know too, is uh, how do you, um, do you referee differently in a cage match than you would opposed to say a regular standard one-on-one match or what do you have to do differently? I should say. Well, there's, there's nothing differently really. I do. It is a little more intimidating. I'll be honest with you. When you, you know, you come down the uh, rampway and you get into a cage and there's nothing around you, but steel, it's kind of, it's a, it's a little intimidating. And then when you walk in there and do that with somebody like Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett with Mm -hmm. what we know, we all know, um, you know, it, it can be a little nerving, but because there's there's no way to get out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So unless I climb the cage and go to the back, but that's not going to happen. So, yeah, oh, but come, no, oh, come on. You know, you could do it. I mean, I could. I mean, I would just probably I don't know. I'd just bite the lock or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So Brad Stanton is up next. He has uh, a question about. um about Jeff Jarrett personally. So he says, uh, Jeff Jarrett has repeatedly said that he was happy to lose to China uh, back in the WWF. Back then, I w- would imagine he would uh, be in the minority, Brad says. He says, was he ahead of his time with his thinking or was was it that or was it that China was an exception to the rule? I mean, you got to say China was an exception to the rule. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, Ninth one out of the world, um, really put wrestling for women on the map. I mean, that's when people started to respect women and start respecting that they could do 
just what a man could do in the ring. Um, so the thing is, I mean, for him to be able to do a job for a woman, um, whether he wanted to or not, I, I don't know that answer. I've never talked to Jeff about it, but you know what? If I was, if I was in Jeff's shoes, it'd be a job that I would put over to her mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, what better person than China? I mean, she was the, you know, the leader, you know, the, the example of what women wanted to be and what women wanted to say and do. She was that, um, mm-hmm. she didn't, she, she didn't look like just your ordinary woman either. So that didn't, that didn't hurt the, the situation either. I mean, she was a full grown woman. I mean, sure. she, she, you know, mm-hmm. let's put it, you know, the way you want, I mean, just built. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, no, she, it was, it, that this was a head of its time for sure. All right. So our last question comes from Amy. Yes, we have another uh, lady uh, or woman listener, Brian. So we're happy to have her. Um, I like those women. Wanna, yeah, got gotta love her. Yeah, you gotta have them in there. Uh, yeah. So she. It's kind of along the lines like we talked about Jeff being a third generation performer and and Booker. Uh, this kind of goes along the same lines as you with your dad too. Is uh, she wants to know if you always wanted to be a referee. Or did you ever aspire to be do something else? Obviously, coming from a rest or a, a refereeing family, what made it easier because of it, and what made it harder? As well, I've never sure, sure. Well, I've never not wanted to do anything but be in wrestling for my whole life. Basically, um, I wanted to be a wrestler at some point, and realized that that was not going to happen. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm not growing any bigger. Um, so, you know, that was, that was an option that wasn't there. So of course I went on the lineage of what my uncle and my father have done and decided to take that part of that business up. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure of that was of course filling, you know, the, the shoes of the two of the greatest referees that ever roughed in the business. Um, so that was the, the, the pressure that was put on me there, but otherwise, you know, wrestling's always been something I wanted to always do refereeing was my was my b option to be honest with you because i always wanted to be a wrestler i wanted to come out there and get that pop or get that boo um but realized that was never going to happen so refereeing was was something that i settled in and 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 i'm glad i did but yeah the pressures are always there especially when you're trying to follow up a third generation you know so i feel like you know i i followed through and did you know make make them proud and so that, that that's basically it yeah. Well, you, you, you did get that pop when you did that beatboxing thing with Kurt Angle and John Cena. You got that pretty good pop there on SmackDown. So you got that yeah, pop for one way or another. Yeah, exactly, man. I got that pop one way or another. <laughs> All right, man. So before we close shop for tonight, uh, you got anything you want to promote going forward outside of uh, outside the show with uh, with Impact coming up? No, we have a, a big pay-per-view coming up on the 23rd, 24th. Was that right? 23rd, yep, 23rd 24th. 24th. Yep. Yes, sir. So we got a, a, a big pay-per-view and then we have TV tapings following in Poughkeepsie, New York. My good buddy RJ will be there, which I'm mm-hmm. very excited about him and his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait to treat them and uh, hang out and let's just go over the land and uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Amen to that, my friend. So you can find us on the Twitter gimmick at Roughing It Up or at Baby Hebner, or you could just simply go over to castby.com slash Roughing It Up, and all the links are there for all our platforms we're on. All our socials are there as well. Um, next week, Brian, we got, we're we we're hitting, uh, hitting it hard this time, and it's not just because of the topic. We're talking everything beer money next week. Uh, James Storm and Bobby Roode, uh, one of the best tag teams of all time, in my opinion, in TNA. Um, we're going to be going over them as well as going over their match against the Motor City, Motor City Machine Guns from 2011 Genesis. Um, what's something that we can uh, look forward to with this, Brian? Um, I think that you're going to be able to be enlightened by some of the better tag matches I've ever refed in my life. Uh, can't wait to go over this and, and, and talk about this and talk about the, the, the great two guys such as Bobby Roode and James Storm, uh, two of the finest men that I've ever worked with and, and been around in this sport as well. Uh, it's going to be great. And you're talking about two opposites that attract. Well, we'll talk about that. It's going to be interesting. 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to this. One of one of my favorite tag teams of all time in TNA there uh, with Beer Money. So definitely look forward to that and looking forward to what we got going forward with that too as well, Brian. So another great show, man. Can't wait to see what's coming up next. Yes, sir. I appreciate everything, man. Once again, follow us at Reffing It Up. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on Instagram. You can also follow me at Baby Hefner on Instagram and Twitter. So I'll make that pretty easy for you. Awesome. So until next time, you're listening to Ruffin' Up. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and next week as well going forward. So thanks, guys. One, two, three.